Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Thursday, September 30th, last day of the month. The moon is waning crescent, and we will see the new moon next week on October 6th. So there's plenty of time to get those new moon manifestations in order. We've got a week. And I, for one, am beyond excited for October. I think everybody's probably ready for me to shut up about it. But it's Libra season, and that's my season. And we have Halloween coming up, followed immediately by Samhain on November 1st. And we here in the house will be putting all the Halloween decorations up this weekend. And we will also be putting together our ancestor altar. That's something that we like to keep up for the whole month leading up to Samhain and then for the few days afterward. I have a couple episodes planned for October that will hopefully put us all in the mood for spooky times. So I'm really looking forward to tackling those. But today I wanted to talk about some common misconceptions that I see a lot in witch circles. Now, the impetus for this episode came from a Facebook group that I'm in, one of many, actually, and it was from a new witch. Well, she was reluctant to call herself a witch because, as she said, she hadn't actually done any spells or magic yet. And she said the reason that she was hesitant to practice magic is because someone had warned her that, quote, magic comes with a price. And so she was afraid to cast because... She feared that the price might be too high. I don't know. It kind of rustled my jimmies because I see this kind of thing all the time in Facebook groups and on Tumblr chat groups, and it never fails to set my teeth on edge. So I wanted to sort of do a roundup of my favorite magical misconceptions and try to sort of set the record straight, at least as I see it. Who am I? Nobody. This is just my opinion. But let's start. With the inspiration for this episode, magic comes with a price. What does this mean? To be honest, it's kind of like saying the sky is blue. Like, of course magic comes with a price. Everything comes with a price. Exercise comes with a price, but so does not exercising. Flossing comes with a price, but so does not flossing. The price is just the consequence. So, yeah, magic carries consequences, but so does not doing magic. And to not do magic because you're afraid of the consequences of that magic is the same as not applying for a better job because you're afraid of making more money. Like imagine that for a moment. If you had an opportunity to improve your situation, would you approach it with fear or with gratitude and excitement? There are a lot of people in this world who will look very suspiciously at opportunities. These people can get so comfortable in their miserable, unhappy situations that they're afraid to take a chance on a better life or a better circumstance because they'll have to be uncomfortable for a while while they acclimate to their new, possibly improved situation. Now, My brother-in-law is actually the total opposite of that. He basically bounces from one good situation to a better situation because for whatever reason, he is completely fearless when it comes to opportunity. I mean, 
we always joke that like he must have a horseshoe up his ass because he always just seems to land on his feet. And with very few exceptions, he always comes out on top. But it isn't really luck. That's just the power of his manifestation. He embraces everything that comes his way with complete confidence that it's going to benefit him and his family. And he doesn't think of it as magic at all. In fact, he would probably be shocked that I do. He just sees the potential in a situation rather than the potential drawbacks, and he just goes for it. To be fair, there have been a couple times when it didn't pan out for the best, but that's really what it means when people say that magic comes with a price. Doing magic is just another way to exercise control over your life. And the price of that is that you're going to have to live with those consequences. So, I don't know, when I hear that people are afraid to practice witchcraft because of these ominous warnings of price, I just want to reassure them that the price doesn't mean like you're going to grow warts and shit. It just means that you are altering the current course of your life. And now things are going to be different for you. But if you practice magic confidently and responsibly, your life can be better. So don't be afraid of like losing your soul or whatever. That is not the price of magic. Now, the next question that I see a lot from newer witches, and I mean a lot, is whether or not it's okay to buy your own tarot deck somehow. Some way, somewhere along the line, there became ingrained in the witch community this idea that you're not supposed to buy your own tarot deck. I have read that it was just sort of as a way for tarot practitioners to kind of make themselves seem a little more mysterious and make the practice seem like a little more spiritual or whatever. And I don't know... I don't know how it got this foothold. Like, I guess you're supposed to just wait for someone around you to realize that you want a tarot deck and to buy it for you. This could not be further from the truth. And in fact, I think if most of us waited for someone to buy us a tarot deck, we might never get one because let me tell you, I am 42 years old and I have never been gifted a tarot deck. Not once. If you want a tarot deck, go buy yourself a tarot deck. I don't know why or from where this misconception arose, truly. That was just a rumor that I heard, but I would bet that a lot of tarot deck designers would wish that it would go away and that witches would just start snatching up all the decks that they like. And that kind of brings me to another point about this whole issue. Like if someone gifts you a tarot deck, it might not be the one that you want. Maybe it doesn't speak to you. You might not jive with the artwork. The cards might be thicker than you like, or maybe too thin. Maybe the deck is too big for your hands, or it's too small to work with. Like, choosing a tarot deck is a really individual process. And that's why there are so many decks to choose from. Everyone is looking for something a little different in a deck. So don't wait for somebody to bestow a deck upon you. Just go to your local occult shop, or just get online and find one that wants to come home with you. Now, another misconception that I see very frequently is this idea of the rule of three, also sometimes called the threefold law. And what I will typically see is, you know, someone on a message board or Facebook or whatever 
will ask for advice on how to deal with like their horrible mother-in-law or, you know, a cheating partner or, I don't know, backstabbing coworker or a friend or what, what have you. And without fail, there will be a chain of witches cautioning the poster about karma and the rule of three. And basically, the idea is that whatever you send out into the world will come back upon you threefold. And that's not actually a misconception because a lot of witches do ascribe to this, but it is sort of a projection of what is essentially started as a Wiccan construct and kind of got blown out of proportion. Um, Not every witch believes in the rule of three, and not every witch believes in karma. The Wiccan read and harm ye none, do what ye will, is sort of where it comes from. And that's excellent advice, but that's different than this expansion and interpretation of it into the threefold law. And a lot of witches don't put stock in the expansion um, of that. And, And they don't really agree with the idea that if I hex somebody who has grievously wronged me, I'm gonna get it in the end, including me. I've said before that, I don't hex often and I don't hex lightly, but I do hex. Whether a witch does or does not practice baneful magic is an entirely personal choice. And just as it's pretty shitty for a Christian to tell a witch that she's going to hell, it's also kind of shitty for witches to look down their noses at witches whose practices are different. You will find a lot of baneful magic in African and Italian and Latin and backwoods American traditions, which is mostly where my witchcraft comes from. And these traditions are no more or less valid than others who do not practice baneful magic. So, and just sort of dovetailing with this misconception is this conflation of a lot of Wiccan practices with non-Wiccan witchcraft. Wicca is a big movement. And God, hell, for all I know, maybe most witches identify as Wiccans. I don't really know, but I do know that a lot of new witches, or at least people who are investigating witchcraft, will ask questions like, you know, I'm not really religious. Do I have to worship a god and goddess to be a witch? Or, you know, I'm not sure how to set up an altar. It's really complicated. Or like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this magic wand. And it goes on and on. But at issue here is that because Wicca is so visible as a practice, a lot of new witches come into witchcraft thinking that they have to do a lot of the things that Wiccans do because that's their only exposure to witchcraft. And I I sort of think of it like Catholicism being such a large branch of Christianity. You know, a lot of non-Christians might come to believe that all Christians go to confession or pray the rosary or pray to the Virgin Mary. But, you know, of course that isn't the case. So if you are a new witch and there is an aspect of witchcraft that does not resonate with you, rest assured that you are still a witch if you choose not to practice that aspect. Witchcraft is not one size fits all. There are as many valid versions of witchcraft as there are witches. There are Christian witches and pagan witches and atheist witches, you name it, and you are still a witch if you don't call the quarters or cast a circle or invoke the god and goddess. Now, on the other hand, I don't want to give the wrong impression here. Wicca is a great fit for a lot of witches, especially witches who prefer to work in a community with other witches. And if you would like to investigate Wicca, all you have to do is basically a Google search and you can find covens near you. And there are traditions within 
Wicca. Wicca is not one big like monolith religion. It just isn't. There are, there are different kinds of Wicca and um, all sorts of different covens, and they mostly operate autonomously. So even if you you know find a coven and you don't really jive and fit in with that coven, keep looking. You might find a coven that you do fit in well with. Now, another thing that happens a lot is the overlapping of New Age mysticism with witchcraft. And by that, I mean things like chakra healing and Reiki, um, singing bowls, meditation, visualization, spirit guides, the law of attraction, things like that. Those practices can fall under the very large umbrella of witchcraft, but they're not a part of every witch's practice. So don't feel out of place if someone tells you your like sacral chakra is blocked and you don't know what they mean. Witchcraft is such a broad term for so many practices and traditions. And some of these practices overlap a great deal and some of them look nothing alike. Now, another thing that's a lot more minor than some of these other issues, but still kind of gets to me, is all the what does it mean posts. And by that, what I'm saying is like a witch will find a spider in her house and post a picture of it and asking if it's a message. Or someone will post about how they've had a sore throat and congestion for two straight days and they're wondering if maybe they're hexed or like they see angel numbers every time they look at their phone. And here's the thing. Sometimes a spider in your house is just there to eat the flies. Sometimes a cold is just a cold. Sometimes you see numbers on your phone because we're just constantly looking at our goddamn phones. So as witches, we kind of have to walk a fine line of being open to seeing and interpreting signs when they appear and also to differentiate between signs and just everyday life. And the only person that can do that is ourselves. Not everything means something, but sometimes it does. So when I see people posting like, you know, they've had this lower back pain and it's, you know, into their like sciatic nerve and it's running up and down their legs. I'm like, girl, get to the doctor. (laughs) We can't diagnose you here. And, you know, obviously there could very well be some sort of spiritual or magical thing at issue here. There could be something at the core, but it's important to rule out other possibilities as well, especially when it comes to health. And that kind of brings me to the last conception that I do see frequently. If you spend an hour on witchcraft message boards and you are going to see a lot of memes and posts that say things like, you know, don't call yourself a witch if you X, Y, Z. And sometimes it'll be something like, you know, you're not a witch if you eat meat or if you identify as a man or if you vote Republican or whatever. And of course, there is a lot of politicization of witchcraft and within witchcraft, and it does make sense. In many parts of the country and around the world, being open about your craft can get you disowned by your family or kicked out of your house or fired from your job. Shit, a couple hundred years ago, simply being accused of witchcraft, even if it wasn't true, was enough to get you hanged. So witches feel very territorial about their craft. We've lost friends and financial opportunities and personal relationships because of it. And it can drive witches absolutely insane to see people that they disagree with on every fundamental issue calling themselves witches. But here's the thing. They're still witches, even if we don't like it. 
So if we're going to participate in the larger witch community online or in a coven, we have to be prepared to come across people who are doing their witchcraft much differently. You know, a vegan witch may be incredibly offended by a witch who uses cow tongues or chicken hearts, but both of these practices are completely and totally valid. We all do things differently, and we do things for very different reasons, and we don't have to approve of one another's craft, but we do have to accept it, and we have to be ready to defend one another. So, I, you know, I'd love to hear your favorite misconceptions, and you can DM me on Instagram or Facebook at, at middleagedwitch. And you know what? You can actually message me through Anchor, which has been a cool feature that I didn't even know about until recently. So enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll talk to you next week. My name is Eli Rowe, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.